0: From the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year Internet security veteran. I'm joined this week by Mike DeFelice, a data scientist at Jungle Disc. And uh, we're going to have a discussion here about uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, all these things. Um, Mike is a a practical, hands-on professional. Um, We're going to dive in a little bit of how hard is this? Do you need a giant team of PhD researchers? uh, Or is this something that a teenager could get started at the back of their basement uh, at their own house? So, Mike, thank you for uh, joining us this week. Thank you, Brett. So as you uh, started your career in technology, how did you find your way through to the the data science aspect of things?
1: No, it's just like riding the wave. I mean, like it's it's exciting. So um, I mean, when I started when I was younger, I did like product development. Um, I was a consultant for a while. And, um, you know, I I got into some incubation projects and learned how to code. And uh, from there, I mean, data became really cheap to store, really cheap to run algorithms on and really exciting to see how you could get value out of it. So kind of followed that
0: you did you go get a phd in machine learning no no
1: no no i mean i a long long time ago i did get a degree in in in, in computer
0: science and math but you know I, I was working as a professional working in data science are you on a, a team with a whole bunch of phds no i mean i'm, I'm a i'm a team
1: of, of people that give me constant feedback of whether or not what's produced is useful so so the, the idea with the data science is is there's a lot of information out there how do you make sense of it and there's two steps you know like you know, what's real? What's now? You know, um, and then what's what's anomalies on that? And how can we take advantage of that and invest for, you know, a better jungle disk? or,
0: Yeah. So if you uh, had a big pile of uh, web logs and they wanted to get started uh, trying to apply some machine learning to see if they can um, do some predictive behavior about future traffic patterns and things, how do they get set up and get going on a machine learning system?
1: So, so there are some like prerequisites, like you know, like like basic code languages. like. But if you want to get started without that, um, I mean, I, I first put somebody at like Elasticsearch and Kibana. I mean, there's a there's a stack that's very accessible. You can you can go to Elastic Cloud. You can, you know, set it up on like Google Cloud or Amazon. And and the idea is is that you it ingests web logs, and uh, you can either you know query them with kind of like a query language, or you could just graph them and and see what the anomalies are. So I see a lot of people
0: getting started in... Just as simply as that. So, and those are open source projects. Absolutely, yeah. I don't so, pay for software. Yeah. So this is is one of the things out there, and you you look at. This, whether it's machine learning research or many areas these days, uh, the amount of open source software out there is making this advanced technology accessible to nearly everyone. And this has lots of positive benefits. Uh, after the break, um, as this is CyberTalk Radio, we will dive into some of the potential dark side uses of uh, software being very accessible to everyone else as well. So on the the weblog piece, you have that uh, that ELK stack. What type of computing power do you need um, in order to be able to run this? So you said there's some cloud services out there, but are you talking hundreds of dollars a month, thousands of dollars yeah, a no, month? Yeah, like,
1: like hundreds of dollars a month for, for, for that. And then um, you, you can like kind of get a baseline for it, but like, like typically when we're going through like financial stuff and looking for opportunities there, like like millions and millions of rows with like you know 20 to like 40 feature sets, it fits on a laptop in, in, in memory. It's very, very hard to get like big data to a point where it's too big for your laptop. It's very easy to get it like too big for Excel. Um, but as far as like too big for your laptop with tools like like, like Pandas or Elasticsearch or, or MongoDB, um, most uh, most laptops with, like 16 gigs can, can handle a lot, uh, provide a lot of company value.
0: Yeah. So if you're going through, you mentioned another tool there, pandas. That's so that's good. So explain pandas out there to the audience at a high level. What would they use that for? And how do you get started with it? Okay, so so
1: it, it, at a high level, it's like R, but for Python. Um, and it, it's, it's basically like when your data gets too big for Excel. So imagine being able to mi- manipulate like really, really big data frames. They're really big like rows and features. Um, and uh, like millions and millions of rows and do math on them and run aggregates on them um, and program Algorithms to, to to walk through them and tell you cool things about them.
0: So, if somebody's used to using Microsoft Excel and they they write their advanced things in the Microsoft Visual Basic or the Excel query language, with pandas you can use a much bigger spreadsheet effectively, and you write your advanced things in Python.
1: Yeah, and it's 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 a little different as far as like syntax, but as far as like learning curve, I mean, all you know, business Excel
0: courses they'll teach you f- functions to, to run it. it. It's it's very similar. So you don't need to necessarily be a, a programmer with years of experience to be able to get Pandas set up and start getting value out of it.
1: No, not at all. I mean, there's there's learning, obviously, and the more you do it, the better you get at it. But as far as like getting started in a few minutes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So uh, something, as you said, building your own search cluster and data analysis cluster with the ELK stack, doing some, some data analysis with, Uh, pandas where you can start off simple and go to more complex Uh, so moving through to machine learning so this machine learning requires um, advanced algorithms is my understanding but like if you wanted to build a, a chat bot uh, so you could start having natural language conversations, is that something you need the team of PhD researchers for now?
1: No, there's actually
0: an open source project in Python that you can do. There's an open source project.
1: Uh, Google's uh, API.ai will, will help you with that. So, um, I mean, the time to train it, you know, it takes, takes, a, takes a lot of work to make it not sound like a robot. But as far as the basic tech and framework, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's it's pretty accessible.
0: So what I guess I'm hearing you say is that this data science is all about the data. The tools to be able to analyze the data are generally available in either accessible formats or open source formats. Absolutely.
1: And the projects are very well documented. So you take the time, you go through some examples, um, uh, not just online, but there's there's YouTube videos. There's... Uh, I mean, I guess the, the greatest starting point is just, just having a problem to solve.
0: Uh, you had talked about uh, training that chatbot so that effectively helping this machine learn. So can you see if in a way you can help the audience understand the difference between machine learning and just programming to tell the computer to do something specific?
1: Sure. Um, so so in general, machine learning, and there's many different ways to do it the, the, or like outcomes. So the two main ones are like solving classification problems, uh, which is, you know, is this group like this group or how many different groups in this series of data do, do, do I have? The other one are, you know, regression problems, like given this data set of numbers over time, what could the number be? You know, like like what are the trends? And the simplest way to think of that is, uh, you know, in school, you, you you'd plot some points on a, on a two dimensional space and you draw a line in between them. And that line would have a trend. Excel's got these ideas of like trend trend lines. So these problems, are the, the, you know, there, there's these, these 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 math mechanisms called SVMs. It's it's a very popular way to uh, to run in like an n-dimensional space. Instead of two dimensions, like an x-y axis, let's say you had like 20 different features or 100 different features, and those features could be you know boolean, like did you brush your teeth in the morning, or did you know like like all these these little tiny uh you know innocuous things as far as tracking and then you, you run all these into this svm and it's just a, it's a maximization or minimization problem where it just it's trying to find an equation that minimizes all the variables in a you know in a, in a, in a nice way and and, and predicts the an outcome so that's basically machine learning in a nutshell um uh, other other methods that have grown over time are are like uh, like neural nets and it, it's kind of the same thing just a different uh a different mechanism where it just it's
0: it solves a math problem so in, in the machine learning world, it seems like the machines are doing really well at winning at stuff like tic-tac-toe to chess, to go, those sorts of, of games with a finite set of, of rules and complexity. But then um, when Microsoft released uh, a chatbot and tried to train it on Twitter, um, Tay, how, what went wrong there?
1: Okay, so I don't know exactly how that one worked, but I, I could kind of guess based upon some of the stuff that we built um... – with uh, you know, the idea is to, to simulate let's, let's say you wanted to simulate like common answers to questions and be generally like helpful to your customers you know like let's say you have a company and and you know a couple thousand people ask the same four questions most of the time so you, you train it and uh, a lot of these things they, they're trained by conversation so you have like a question and a response and then another question and another response and then uh, the idea is, is that uh, you know you have like you know how well does what's being said right now fit into what's already been said let's map it and then what's the next response so um if if, if you kind of know how that works you can get really you can get really weird or really really mean with with kind of feeding it wrong responses and i mean it's the same thing of like like let's say uh, you know you, you taught your kid the wrong names for colors you know like they they, they think they're answering properly but yeah
0: yeah so the the Training is important and like where they went to train the the machine learning systems on chess or go, they gave it all of the rules, a complete rule set. Whereas with language, they might give it the rule set of what proper grammar looks like, but the structure of a conversation they can't really you can't go fully document that.
1: No, no. And and I think that it's more of a similar problem to Go than like like tic-tac-toe, which would be simpler or chess, where, you know, it's it's programmatically possible to just just enumerate every single outcome and, and, and that's, that's how a lot of these game systems work where, you know, the the, the simple games with like the the phase space of everything that could happen is, 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 it's not that big. So you could just play out everything and then think of it in terms of a map. you you know, there's 12 different things that your opponent can do and you have a plan for every 12 that plays out to you winning and you just kind of pick that one. Um, when that, that phase space gets like really, 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 really big, like, like in Go, then you have to, you have, to uh, you have different types of, uh, and call it like a, like a cost function. Um, you have to define what winning looks like when it's not actually winning, and then you have to continuously run that through you know, the, the game, and, and the computer needs to figure out if it's winning or not and what move it's likely to make that's going to you
0: know, make it win better. So in, instead of computers always coming up with kind of the zero and one binary answer, what you're saying is computers are going to answer with approximations? It's like a number between
1: zero and one. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's basically how like neural nets work where, you, I mean, it's uh, you got this, uh, this this sinuate function that just takes everything between zero and one and, you know, the closest to one, the, you know, the better it is, but it's not sure.
0: Yeah. So, and this is, is I think, one of the fundamental things that people are going to struggle to grasp with is that before computers were, math processing machines that just came out with exact answers for things and that's what they were used for uh, but now with machine learning and this artificial intelligence just like we will make decisions as people all the time where we're not 100 percent sure of the outcome um, computers are now learning to do the same thing
1: yeah totally i make decisions at like 85 percent. i don't know about you yeah
0: but, yeah, yeah. I, I try to make the best 80 percent decisions yeah, i can man. especially on things that are reversible if you can change your <laughs> mind later if it's one of these decisions where after you make it you can't go back the other direction, then you'd, you'd probably want to be more confident than 80%, but many decisions in life, if you can make them quickly with an 80% confidence, you're, you're going to end up better off. So as it, you're going out now um, and getting set up, say to, to train a chat bot, so trying to get something more complicated, is this um, one where you need to have hundreds of conversations, thousands, millions of conversations? What, what does good training look like?
1: Wow, um, you know, I can't think of a really great example of of, of um, but uh, I mean, to get started, I mean, just to think of it as like writing yourself text messages,
0: um, hundreds, not not a lot, not a lot to get to get up and going in a basic manner. So, the the chatbots are starting off with a general understanding of the English language. Then,
1: I general understanding of how to respond to. I mean, they don't know English. No, 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 absolutely not. Maybe like the English words corpus of English words. But I mean, th- so I guess the best way to think about it is like you watch a lot of movies, right? And, and, and you know, maybe you talk to people and maybe every other word out of their mouth is, is a quote from a movie somewhere that they remember over time. So are they even thinking about that? I mean, when, when you talk, how often do you actually think about what you're saying? You know, does your does your brain actually just go into a series of like scripts and you know, put on
0: auto respond? Um, th- that's that's the best way to think about like how most chatbots work. Yeah. So what you're saying is they don't actually understand grammar. They just understand phrases that they've memorized,
1: aping stuff right back. Now, um, now there's a lot of research now into like neural nets that that, that you know can look back and get more context of conversation. And and um, I I'm not aware at, at this time of anything great coming out of that as far as like practical for for business use. But um, but you know for the most part, it's just it's just figure out where you're at in a script and spitting out what comes next and it's it's no really understanding of anything. But I mean on, on the same example with the with the with the bot, let's say you wanted to get uh I mean yeah, you, so you, know you, machine you, learning. Yeah. All right, so. and, and how you'd make that better. So you could you could write a cost function associated with let's say the delay of of, of the latency between when somebody would respond or, you know, using questions or, or, or whatnot and you know, you could assign values uh, to, to responses and you could not use the ones that got bad responses over time. So if you want to do some kind of like real-time cost function associated with those responses, you could, you
0: could train a system to continuously speak better English. Or... Yeah. So uh, you mentioned movies, and uh, we may have some folks out in the audience that have been watching movies about artificial intelligence or machine learning, these things. So there was an ex of this movie that came out now maybe about a year ago. Did you just happen to see that one? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. Yeah. So how far away uh, from uh, your kind of professional opinion are we from being able to have something that, that has conversation to the level that the the AI in the movie did?
1: Oh, wow. I, I would imagine that it exists somewhere now just really expensively. Um, so as far as like we get it on our phones or, you know...
0: Siri or Cortana or what's what's the Google person called? Just Google Assistant. Google Google's Assistant. does Not naming things friendly. Yeah, that's not the Google way. I mean, I'm I'm I'm
1: from what I remember about that movie, the logic was is the guy took like people's search history and and kind of figured out how to have conversations based upon that. Yeah. So probably they, he, like a good example would be the the Google spell check, where you know instead of actually like figuring out how things were spelt, they just figured out. You know, probabilistically, if people spell something wrong, they'll search for the right thing after that. So, I mean, it might not be the form of a a robot that, you know, can, you know, walk and talk and and wear clothes and stuff. But um, as far as those types of conversations, not that far. Yeah,
0: because I definitely feel like I can't have a conversation with Siri or Cortana or anything at this point.
1: But, you know... You know, it, I know, we're going to talk more about, like, you know, how can this be used in, in, in odd ways after this. But, I mean, I, I get phone calls a lot, things that may or may not be robots. And you you ask them, hey, are you a robot? And, you know, somebody trying to sell you something. Yeah. They'll answer no. And, uh, you know, sometimes they're robots and sometimes you can't tell. So, I mean, the technology, is, is especially for, like, spam calling, I, I think it's at an incredible state right now.
0: Yeah. And we will uh, dive into that uh, some after the break. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry. Oh, it's all good. It's good to tease the after the break uh, portion of the program. Edge there. of the seat. Yes. So, uh, what else? In order to to be able to talk about spearfishing and uh, the robo calling and some of the th- robo social engineering things that are starting to go on now, what else do folks need to have a general background understanding of to be able to uh, go along with us through the second half of this journey? I, I think the best. It's just like an open minded knowing that
1: that. A lot of these problems have already been solved. That it's very inexpensive to run algorithms on, you know, terabytes, if not petabytes, of data. Do you have a favorite useful chatbot? No. I, I like I like that it's provocative. I like that the technology is accessible. I like that um, that 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 people can go online and it's very it's you know any anybody can do it. And yeah, there's there's some basic things that that you need to learn. You know. Um, but you go through them you solve problems you you learn linux you learn python you you know, you you know you you learn how to store a big csv and then you learn how to throw that into like Elasticsearch or pandas or um uh, apache spark or you know one of those things yeah but that's it, for like really really big data
0: yes and if if you wanted to put linux on a computer without having to reinstall the operating system how hard is it to put linux on a usb stick these days
1: Oh, I mean, there's, uh, I mean there's, there's, there's programs that just like you know, put your USB stick in and, and burn the ISO image to like a boot thing. Or you can use VirtualBox. I think Oracle bought them. So um, probably the best way to play, and I, I would argue VirtualBox, that way you can have like a couple of them and learn how they network with each other. So you can set up like um, uh, you know, a couple different Linux distributions on like a private network
0: and then have them talk to each other. And, you know, it's always fun. Yeah, so that's a, VirtualBox is an open source project. I guess the company, I forget what the name of it was, but it is, it's an open source project Oracle now run by that. Oracle. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, for getting started on some of the stuff, is there a website for Python Pandas? Google. 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 Google, you don't maintain a list of uh URLs in your head anymore. It's just Google.
1: Yeah, but I mean, that's that's the same shortcuts that a machine would take, right? Yeah, All that's right. what Google. But, good but at. you know what we should do? We should list some some links in in the um in in any kind of published version of this audio. Yeah, when we and
0: we people can like you know click on them and we'll put the uh post online. If you're listening live on uh 1200 WAI right now, uh the recap of this will go up on Tuesday. Um, following the airing here on Saturday night And uh, in that post we will put a list of Helpful links um, You can also listen to this whole thing again If you are listening to us via iTunes podcast Or pocket cast on an Android device Or if you have to find your way To our YouTube channel where you're looking at a still Image of uh, Mike and I at this point Thanks for listening uh, to the recording And um, you can find that post uh, Up on our website At www.cybertalkradio.com uh, As well as a uh, we'll have other blogs and contents on our social media sites so if you look at us on Twitter or Facebook you'll find more about this episode and past episodes of the program
1: very cool okay so like we never really talk about why people should care right we talk about like chatbots and you know but as far as like um like you know like like Humans being a part of this whole ride that is, you know, the machines taking over or like machines making their lives better. I mean, I think that we're at a point right now where outside of just 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 stuff being academically cool or, you know, like math. I mean, we have a lot of access to a lot of really great technology enabled by the data science and machine learning. And the best example I can think of it that provides me good is like Google Photos. You know, imagine you know, being able to, without me having to tag something, know that a, a school bus or a, a whiteboard is is in a photograph. Um, um, I mean, sure, it could get creepy, it knows who my friends are, and, and it suggests that I share them uh, with my friends, but um, outside of that, I think that, that that that's one of the best examples of, like, um, how research into the space is, 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 is making my life better or easier. Um, other ways where it gets annoying is, um, you know, that whole like, uh, you know, make your apps more addictive, you know, like, you know, get an email, say, hey, somebody's, uh, you know, somebody liked the message of yours on Facebook. And in- instead of actually telling me who it was and what the message was, I have to log in because, you know, you have all these apps right now that, that, that you know, they're trying to, to reinforce this like open reward, open reward behavior. And I, I, I promise there's a lot of really fancy uh, data science techniques into, into you know, Solving that maximization problem, having you just click and open stuff. So, yeah,
0: they want the maximum number of, of daily active users, and then they want the maximum amount of minutes where you are daily active. Exactly. So, yeah. um, you
1: know, a, a way to game like active users is to, you know, record things like over millions of people, how many people are clicking on email links, and how many, you know, like, like what, what that text was, and how to maximize that. So, this is happening. You know like like you know, you you wake up you go to work you drive you, i mean this, this like you're creating data and people are storing it and and it's not just like you know like like companies or 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 your government or yeah you know, I mean, like it's just it's just being stored and it's being sold um and it's being aggregated and it's valuable because it helps people sell things and it, it helps people know things to you know the so so just you know, that that whole saying about how um, if the, if it's free, you're the product. I mean, this is like the, the, the greatest example ever of, of, of that statement. And it, 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 it should resonate really well. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we breathe, but we also like, you know, exhale a bunch of data that follows us around. And it's, it's very useful
0: for ma- machine learning. If you were going to build a, a chat bot, is there a, a tool set to get started with there? So the easiest way to get started
1: um, if you're a Python developer is there's this there's an open source project called Chatterbot where you can download it and you can train it with lists and by list. And just, you know, just think of like a question, answer, question, answer, you know, just just kind of lists. Uh, The other the other thing that I mentioned that that is is kind of cool right now is um, Google's um, uh, API.ai and uh, they've got tutorials online for creating
0: kind of um, conversational chatbots as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, is there anywhere you go online specifically to read about um, these things and the latest, greatest news? Or how do you find updates as a, a professional around all of these things? Mainly like Y Combinator's Hacker News. Um, usually, I mean,
1: it, not not so much now, but over the past couple of years, there's been a lot of chatter around advancements in, in, in data science and AI. And I mean, it's a very... Uh, it's, it's a very attractive field for college kids to, to start getting into. I know that around san antonio there's there's um, there's now like data science tracks for 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 uh, graduates uh, where, where they learn these tools and they learn how to get like value out of out of business data
0: Yes, so uh, we're going to dive into some of the potential nefarious uses of uh, data science and machine learning uh, whether it's from uh, robo calling and if you uh, have a cell phone Uh, you're even getting those calls on your cell phones these days if you don't have a cell phone uh, welcome to the 21st century please go get one they're like ten dollars a month now Uh, having a phone with you can be very useful from a a safety perspective and uh, many other uh, uses as well so we will be back in a, a few moments here on cyber talk radio after a news traffic and weather update Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran joined this week by Mike DeFelice, and we're talking about artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, some practical tools. If you missed the first half of the program, uh, you'll be able to listen to the rebroadcast and a replay of this on our website on www.cybertalkradio.com, as well as on iTunes podcasts, Pocket Cast, or our YouTube channel. Uh, you can listen to this program or any of our past programs as well. We've talked uh, at a high level about artificial intelligence before, and with uh, all the things going on lately, uh, believed it was a, a good time to dive into some more hands-on technical detail around it of not only what does it take to get started, which Mike uh, talked about on the first half of the program um, in detail, but now what can we do with it? So, uh, Mike, I know you're, you're wearing a black t-shirt here today as we're talking, but so you're going to put your black hat on as well. And... Uh, we want to do, and we've done this with uh, some other episodes of the program uh, with uh, incident response or some things, but let's uh, walk through and uh, pretend you decided to go to the dark side here and you're now going to use your data analysis skills as a hacker. So uh, you're going to look to socially engineer people. So you had talked about before the break, now you're getting these robocalls, calls and you're not really sure if it's a robot or not. So going in, if you're going to use some of these skills to start social engineering folks and uh, say we wanted to build the robo calling machine. Uh, how do you go down that, that road to get something set up to start trying to gather information from folks?
1: All right. So, so this, this feels like that OJ book, but, but we'll, we'll, we'll figure this out a little bit. All right. So, I mean, y- you need a lot of numbers. All right. So, so let, let's say you didn't want to do it that scientifically and see so you, you buy, you could buy phone numbers and, um, and uh, you need something that, that, that can be trained on on how to respond
0: to people. So let's say your goal was selling something or, you know, getting a credit card let's number. Let's say your goal was, you yeah, you're evil here. So your goal is to get credit card numbers out of people so you can use them. Your goal is to get them to give you a social security number or give you answers to things you could then use as a data set to go fill out a credit application on their behalf. Wow. All right. That doesn't sound like a very nice thing to do. No, it's not. This All is, we're going to, this talk is like, yeah, what does it take to really get set up and go
1: do these things? I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's not that hard to buy a list of phone numbers. No. And then from there it's around, I mean, let's, let's say you're going to call them and you're going to, you're going to write a robot to call them. Um, and uh, you have a couple scripts. So let's, let's pretend that you could only call them once. And and we talked about like data science uh, and machine learning being maximization problems. So you can call everybody only once, it would make no sense to just have one message out to everybody because you know, it would be different. So you could try a couple of them. You could have uh, you know, different messages that appeal to you know, people's emotions depending upon what, what age they are. Maybe it's a message about their, their, their kid or maybe it's a message about their, uh, their tuition. Um, uh, I mean, the more you know about somebody, the more that you can, you can tailor that to, to, to kind of you know, increase the probability of them giving you the information. And, uh, you know, you, let's say you test like five, six, ten of them. Um, you keep track of which ones work, which ones
0: don't. And then you, you can round robin them, retire them where they don't work. So. so if you were to go try to collect some of that background information. Uh, so, I mean, you can obviously type somebody's name into a Google search. You're going to get a bunch of stuff that might be accurate, might not be accurate. LinkedIn, Twitter. I yeah. Mean, I mean, it, 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 I i it's amazing, like like what
1: people I mean write about themselves. Uh, I mean, like LinkedIn, you get somebody's entire employment history. You know who they know, right? So, one of the uh, you know one of the things that's written about uh, about influence, psychology of influence. I believe uh, the the Robert Cialdini's book is a, it's one of the classics. But you know, if, if you want to get somebody to do something, you you either you know in, impersonate a member of authority or it, you, you tell them that a friend of theirs did it. And uh, if I know your friend's name you know and 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 I say that you know, they worked out why would you not believe me I mean like I know your friend's name how could how I make it up so I think I think the information people give out on LinkedIn is um, is uh, is could be used like that I mean especially where I mean I mean how many times have you like 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 they say like only add people to your network that you trust but you know what about that uh, that that recruiter from that company that you've always wanted to work at? You know how the hell do you know that they're a real recruiter from that company? You don't. You know you're just kind of like blindly you know adding them to your network and giving them access to all your friends and you know. So I mean that's that's one way to get data. Also, what people tweet about. You know you get a you get a sense of uh, just just from words they use or words and things that they retweet. You know what what pushes their buttons. So. I think that um, that if you can collect that type of information over time and kind of figure out you know what pushes people's buttons, you can use that to get them to click on something or give you a piece of information or, or that type of stuff. and you know that involves a massive amount of data collection and APIs and feeds and you know storing data in things like Elasticsearch MongoDB, Spark, things that we talked about. Yeah. All open source technologies and then also, you know, it's about running
0: algorithms on them to figure out how things are working and how to do it better. So what about emailing people? Because this is where, like, spear phishing is this new one. So phishing was like you'd get this mail from a Nigerian prince or some family member of the Nigerian prince that just died asking to try to get your bank account number from you. I think most people are hopefully not falling for those anymore. But explain the difference with spear phishing and then how some of this data work can, can feed into that.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, similar to, like, making calls, actually the emailing thing is easier. I mean, I mean, you know, my role, I've, I've emailed hundreds of thousands of of, of, of people we we do it all the time most companies send out lots of email and uh, you know from a marketing perspective you know whether it be good or whether it be bad the idea is to trigger some kind of response to get somebody to click on something all right so uh, uh, let's say that something wasn't you know a landing page to a product that you think is you know a really good fit for them is going to add value let's say that landing page was a uh, you know like a Fake bank login page where you know it captured your username and password and then redirected you to the real page, so you wouldn't know. But you know the idea is, uh, you know, you send somebody a link, get them to click on it. So you you could you could collect a lot of information about people to craft an email to um, to kind of increase the chances of that 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 click-through rate. Um, and there are many open source tools that do things like clone websites and. Um, you know, capture post data in, in, in between stuff. Um, and that's just kind of a script kitty thing as well. I mean, you can go online and download Kali Linux and look at the YouTube videos. And, you know, it's, what's funny is it's, uh, just like all, like open source software that's really accessible, not all of them actually work or not all of them, you know, are great videos. But, I mean, you could, you could pay for some training and, and, and learn how to
0: do that pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, so level of accessibility for these things still is not, Decades of experience in a large team.
1: No, I think like like uh, w- this, this might be a little bit unfair because I know that people have like entire careers based upon like, you know, information security, pen testing or whatnot. But I see stuff like 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 the Kali the distribution and the tools that are with it. And, and it's mainly for learning and it's mainly for um, having that discussion within a company about like how to make your data safer. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, you know, you want to control all the systems that you, you test against. But I, I think it's a big eye opener in a sense where, you know. Any bored kid with some basic knowledge of, of of you know Linux can run a script that that you know a researcher made or you know let's say uh like a security professional that whose job is to find vulnerabilities and report them and make the internet better. Uh, these all get stored, and not everybody patches their operating systems, and uh, you know with with very very little like earned discipline from actually figuring it out yourself, you could, you could repeat that and,
0: and you could, you could do some damage. Yeah. So, um, out there and we, uh, we have the tagline for the program from the dark web to your radio dial. So if, if you were to, to go out onto this, this dark web, um, uh, this, how do you find your way there? We were talking about a little bit, of the chat in between, or what are the, what are the browser folks most often use to try to go ac- access these dark websites? very leading um yes no so so um i wouldn't even
1: consider those like dark web All right, so I, I know what you're getting and i'll answer that but as far as i mean i mean the the the, inter- the information to do that that kind of stuff it's, it's it's for education and it's it's generally free most most computer people they they don't like the idea of paying for knowledge they like the idea of you know meritocracy you you it's there it's hard you can learn it though and you can try it and you can fail and you can try it you can fail and you can try you can succeed and then you can teach others and and that that's kind of the culture that um that uh that the, these tech te- uh stacks uh, try to foster but yeah, um, so like kali if, linux if, if, is
0: kali-linux.org i think or kali-linux.org yeah, and and, org.
1: and you know i mean i i just as just it's an eye opener to why you should care about your own data security i mean just just knowing the kind of stuff that's available um You know, every time your favorite website or your favorite database software, or your favorite operating system releases a new version of itself, they're they're also releasing like plugs to fix like massive holes that they didn't know about, you know, like whether it's a buffer overflow or whether it's like a, you know, a remote execution thing. And and the reason why they're doing that is because, you know, humans write software and humans make mistakes and humans figure out how to exploit those mistakes and do things like take pictures of your webcam when you don't know. And... That's 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 real stuff. So um, uh, it's just just to, to know it is good. But if you wanted to uh, kind of like cover your tracks and learn. I mean, there's another open source software. I mean, like the, the Tor browser. So Tor uh, is, is an acronym. It stands for the Onion Router. And the idea is similar to um, I like to think of it like that movie Sneakers with Robert Redford. Um, where they're trying to make a, a phone call that's untraceable, so they they route the phone call on this map through like five different locations, and you know that of course they're watching in real time like it being traced, which I don't know how valid that is, but but anyway, so so the idea is is that you got layers and layers of 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 of, of, of security. So how Tor works is um, it it. it basically creates that for your network connection. I mean you you it's it's like this 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 network where instead of connecting to a website directly, you connect to you know a, a, a relay service in France that then connects to a relay service in Belgium that then connects to a relay I mean that then connects to the internet. There's always like there's 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 two hops. But um uh and and it's it's generally good at an anonymous web browsing. So, are there sites that are only
0: available through Tor?
1: Yeah. So one of the, the one of the cool things about you know that type of access to the internet is um, you can anybody with the browser and you can just download the Tor browser has the ability to also be a server, and what they serve can only be visible on that Tor network. And uh, they they got a really uh, funny domain extension. So instead of like going to a .com or a .net or .org or .gov or .mil. Um, it's a dot onion and um, and anybody can be one and they're they're really weird names for them because they're auto generated kind of kind of the way that like uh, like key crypto- uh key cryptography is set up oh. but but you know so they're not like fancy names like you know Bretts secret website dot, know, onion. dot onion' yeah. it's, it's more like you know five g three you know like it's a bunch of like hex numbers but um but yeah yeah um, you know, there's a, there's a some, you know, documentary you could watch on how um, the, the Silk Road was made, right? And it's, it's, it's not hacker geniuses, you know, um, you know, writing all this like fancy software that nobody understands. It's, it's bored slash opportunistic people with low moral values that, you know, take advantage of open source software. And, uh, you know, I mean, Silk Road worked by using the, that, that, that feature of the Tor network. Uh, you like like a, a basic like self-hosted bulletin board system in PHP and, uh, you know, no trace of money with Bitcoin. Yeah. So you put you put those things together and, you know, you can you can build a community around it. That's relatively anonymous. So, of course, the guy did
0: go to jail. So, I mean, yeah. You know, just, when you say relatively anonymous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, with with enough know. resources, uh, folks can get tracked down through these the the dark web back to reality. And you've seen that in some of these high profile arrests also like browser exploits. I mean, people using
1: Tor, they're they're still, they're still just like you're vulnerable to clicking on click. You know, like, like clickbait redirects or whatever. I mean, a lot of these guys are caught with uh, with just like the same kind of method,
0: you know, yeah. or browser exploits. So the good guys are out there fighting the bad guys always. Yes. So, so it's all about balance, right? Yeah. And it's, so if you had gone out now and you've, you've built your, your social engineering bot, and let's say you, you've managed to go harvest uh, 100,000 uh, bank account numbers and credit card numbers from people. Um, if you're not sophisticated, how hard is it to go try to find somewhere to sell those? Yeah,
1: so I have no idea, and that's probably where like the novice would get caught because, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't I don't know. Yeah. I, I, don't, I wouldn't even want to speculate. So, yeah. I mean, you put a sign up, you know, in a bathroom somewhere, You'd be like, hey, got some numbers. I, I have no idea. No, yeah. So, so I, I mean, but I'm sure that you could like log onto Tor tour and you could uh, you could, uh, you know, like do a Google search or you know, a directory source uh, search of like one of the, the tour hidden services. And, you know, I'm sure there's a marketplace some there somewhere there. And then, you know, I'm sure there's methods to figure out whether or not you could trust these people that yeah. you don't know that remain anonymous, that somehow might or might not give you money and I don't know. That seems like a really like, I I might be a little too neurotic for that. But
0: um. yeah, now I mean is so as we've talked through this, it's not too difficult to get started, get going, to go maybe from novice to real criminal organization, maybe more difficult. Um to so like these folks that are running ransomware or um, running these big tool marketplaces and exploits where they're uh, building tools and selling them the digital arms merchants.
1: yeah. I mean, so I and mean, that, that, that's a I mean, those those are businesses just like any others. they I mean, um, you know, I like to imagine, like the the, the you know the, the ransomware guys is you know they they, they hire employees they, they they dress up in shirts and ties and they go to an office building and you know maybe it's not the United States maybe it is but um, you know it just just like you'd go in to do your normal job their normal job is to you know gain access to people's networks and you know steal information from them. Um, people
0: need jobs and that's. There's a demand for that. So then there's highly ethical jobs, and then there's jobs of low moral value, as you'd said? Y- yeah, yeah. We're, I, we're low
1: or amoral. I'm, I'm not going to judge, you know. But, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be on the other end of that, obviously. Yeah. You know, or I wouldn't do it to somebody. But um, th- there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of money in your information. Um, and not, not. I mean, there, there's there's consumer information stuff, which which I think is is... Is generally targeted towards like convincing people to buy stuff they don't need or that's overpriced or convincing people that, you know, let, let's 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 say I uh, I I, I call you and and be like, hey, you know, I I bought this debt off a spreadsheet and you owe me a thousand dollars and you know from this transaction, let let's I mean, what you're going to validate that I actually bought your debt? No, I'm going to yell at you and scare you and you're going to write me a check and you know the more I know about you the more likely you are to give me the money. Um, so if I'd stolen your credit report? Something like that, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, you know, so I think that there is like, you know, like bottom of the barrel type of stuff, like attacking consumers or, or, or more vulnerable people. Um, and I think that there's there's more organized, uh, more sophisticated, uh, whether it's, you know, governments that get into research just to, you know, figure out how to defend themselves or cyber warfare to uh, just, just Seemingly normal corporate organizations whose mission and purpose is to like like perform industrial espionage for sale um, uh, and, you know, that have money to hire really smart people that, that
0: that find this stuff. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, and I'm joined by Mike DeFelice, a data scientist, and we're talking through. Um, how data science can be used on the dark web uh, for the dark side activities in this half of the program. Uh, so, Mike, we had talked about robo-dialing a little bit. What are some of the uh, other things out there that you could go do with these technologies? All right, well, let's talk about advertising
1: and, like, like really creepy advertising. So um, these, these, I'm, I'll give two examples, and um, these are Googleable, um and, and, again, just just they are what they are, but the idea is that consumers generate data and that data is valuable. So um, uh, I, I would not be surprised if like many TV manufacturers did this, but I know that Vizio got into trouble recently for um, uh, doing something kind of creepy, where like, it was this, this, this uh, auto opt-in feature on, on their, their firmware, and what it did is, it, as you were watching TV, and it, it could be in like the HBO app or regular TV or whatnot, it would record these pixel patterns, and it had this massive database of these like pixel pattern fingerprints, and they knew what you were watching when you were watching. And um, they used this to profile households. Um, and it didn't matter if, if it, I mean the TV was connected to the internet, but it didn't matter, um, you know like how you were watching this because the way that it was working was the TV itself was just taking its pixels and sending it. And uh, they would aggregate that data, and they would sell it, and they would sell it to advertisers or sell it to people that would, you know, let's say there was a correlation between people that watched Breaking Bad and people that bought Dodge Caravans, you know, like, like that. That would be really valuable to know, you know. So then they'd sell this data, and then the mailers would go out, and um, or you'd get a, you know, the next time you search Google, you you know, you get a uh, get like a little ad pop up for that. And uh, this was going on for a while, and they got sued from that. Um, uh, so um, I mean that that still exists, and I would still argue that consumers need to be careful about you know what what their viewing habits or you know consuming habits uh, leak as far as, as being valuable. Um, uh, another example uh, for targeted advertising is like like online person like one of my favorite stories like online personality tests. So. You know, how many how many times have have, 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 have you I mean every, I think that's like a fundamental question, like like who are you really? Right? And I mean it's very provocative and you know, it gets a lot of clicks. So, you know, I am um you know, I, I can remember even to the early days of the internet, like basic, you know, like personality tests, whether it's like uh, you know, Myers Briggs like or like You know, like the Buzzfeed or which Star Wars character? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, Uh, a lot of them are just like silly, right? But but some of them are 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 really interesting. And and one that caught attention recently is uh, this idea of like these ocean scores, Um, personality tests to figure out like you know, open to new things, how conscientious you are. There's a lot of them, but but things that would directly correlate into you know who you would vote for, who you'd support, or, you know, where you'd put your money. And um there are there are companies online that that they 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 use these 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 personality tests as and they they obviously like they buy other data sources and, and correlate them. But you know, if 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 you're answering a personality test with your zip code and your email, right? Or you're sharing it with your friends, um, you know, sure, I mean you might get like the the five second benefit of being able to be like, hey Johnny, look, you know, I'm I'm open to new things and you know so are you and that's why we're great friends and I'm sure that conversation happened at least once but anyway um but but you're also you know you're you're saying hey I'm in this zip code and you know I you know like this stuff too and like this stuff too and most likely I could vote for this person and you know that that that, that is incredibly valuable data to to politics as well, as well as advertising another another example of like you know if it's free you're the product
0: you know so um yeah, some of those televisions you buy, like I actually have one at my house where it, uh, it's it got a Roku built into it. Uh, I forget the brand of it, but by default, it actually has a microphone turned on and it listens to everything in your room. You have to go dig down through the settings menu and turn it off, and it's like half the price of another television because they're selling those audio recordings or the valuable information out of that back to uh, data brokers.
1: Yeah, so um, you know another another implication of the, the accessibility of, of, of data science is, is that it makes... Um, And, you know, there's the operations of storing all of this and making sense of it. But as far as like the communities developing algorithms to get value out of it, I mean, there is a lot of value to be gathered by even the most, you know, seemingly innocuous data that is leaked and, you know, it's stored and then you can you can pair it up with other stuff and other stuff and other stuff and over time. You know, you 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 have got something that's worth a lot of money. Yeah. So it used to be expensive to find needles in haystacks. No, it's so cheap to store. It's like like, and I, I think that rel- like the, the general attitude in the industry is is that it's always been cheap to store data. You know, and I think the investment's always been made to to store everything that was possible to be stored. Um, I think that what's different now is the compute power to run algorithms on it and to actually gain insights. Um, is at a point where it's 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 very comparatively like inexpensive, and the value that's coming out of running those algorithms it greatly exceeds the, the the cost of running them. And I think that's why now and the future is different than a few years ago.
0: Yeah, and switching topics a little bit to uh, tie in, but it doesn't sound like Moore's law is running out anytime soon from an affordability perspective like do they keep doubling transistors i don't know but it seems like computing keeps getting cheaper
1: yeah i, I mean like i said i i i am i, I don't know too much about like that I've, I've seen some things yeah and and i know that it's kind of a topic like is it running out is it not is it negative but but as far as people getting more value out of running
0: compute on on data then yeah, that that's that seems true. Yeah, and this is, I guess as these classification algorithms get better even if the compute cost stays the same, if you are more efficient in using it then your costs go down as well. Absolutely. And I
1: think it's a lot it's like table stakes now. I mean, people used to develop features that um, that the people expect in their applications. Yeah. So, and I and I think that that they expect these features without giving too much thought to what they're giving up for them. Not not to say that it's bad, it just it just need you, know, you know, need some conscientiousness around it
0: yeah so this is uh, one of those topics we could go on uh, about for hours but uh, this hopefully was a good primer and intro to uh, where are we at really with data science uh, machine learning uh, artificial intelligence how uh, can it be used today and awareness of this new technology new paradigm uh, shift to where we're moving from theoretical research around these two practical applications will help folks uh, start thinking about uh, how do we, as the good guys out there, uh, defend against what the bad guys are going to be doing, whether it's robocalling social engineering, uh, a smart chat bot, or some web crawler assembling many needles out of many different piles of hay in order to be able to create your online profile.